Welcome to the Vision Church Podcast. We are so excited to have you with us. We hope this message will encourage and inspire you to walk out your God-given vision. Now here's today's message. It's great to see everybody here. I am so glad that you are here. And let me tell you, I've got a word from heaven for you this morning. I am so excited about it. We've been talking about superhuman, talking about faith. How many of you know when God puts his super on your natural, that can make you superhuman? Some of you believe that. Some people are kind of going, I don't know, but I think you're going to be a bigger believer after this morning. I want to read to you something. This was Rick Renner that said this, and it really ministered uh, to me. I was reading it. I was reading an article by, from uh, Believer's Voice of Victory magazine. This is June of 2019. And listen to what he said. They, they were interviewing him about his life and ministry from conception all the way up into today. Rick is one of the foremost Greek scholars of our generation. He's a missionary in Russia. He pastors a church there. He speaks Russian uh, and, and just a, he's an author, amazing man of God. But they were interviewing him and at the very end of his interview, this is what he said and it stuck with me. He said, dealing with the devil is easy. He said, dealing with life is easy. We've been robbed. We've been swindled. We've had to deal with the mafia in our early years of ministry. They're the Russian mafia he's talking about. But listen to this statement. He went on to say, but the hardest thing I've had to deal with is me. That's quite a statement. The hardest thing I've had to deal with is me. My greatest faith challenges have been using my faith, putting down my flesh, staying in faith, keeping my joyful attitude, and obeying God. Everything is easy if we master ourselves. If we conquer ourselves, we can conquer the world. Man, isn't that a powerful statement? Thank you, Lord. Man, God, and so I, I read that this morning because I feel like some of you have been standing in faith. And your greatest enemy is, what you've been, is not what you've been standing in faith for. Your greatest struggle has not been uh, humps along the way. Your greatest challenge is this person right here. You know, is, is reestablishing yourself in faith. Man, you've got to feed your faith. You've got to feed your faith. I can't tell you of the times when I've become weak in my faith and I've gone back and I've begun to listen to messages on faith. Right? Romans 10, 17 says faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And I begin to listen to messages. My faith begins to grow. It begins to grow. It begins to grow. You know, I heard stories about POWs, these pilots that were shot down in Vietnam over Hanoi. And then they put them, they brought them to this concentration camp and they, they referred to it as the Hanoi Hilton, <laughs> these, these guys. And they said that they were, you know, you never knew. They said the most fearful sound in that place was the keys. When they would hear the keys coming down the hall, somebody walking down the hall and they'd hear the keys because they were getting ready to take somebody out of their cell to go and, and to torture them. And when he said that, anyway, I was watching this. This is a great, uh, okay, it was, it was called Return with Honor. 
uh, it, was, it was a documentary that I'd watched, and one of the guys said that they, they would exercise a lot. He said, I exercised all the time because he said what we found was the stronger we were, the less the, tort- the torture was not as terrible, you know, when you had your strength. Well, let me tell you, I'm here to tell you that I'm here to strengthen your faith this morning. We're going to do some exercise this morning. We're going to build up some faith muscles so when the enemy comes and he tries to torture, torture you, you can just smile and look at him in the face and say, huh, no, because my Bible says differently. And he can't overcome him, you. You can overcome him with your faith. Amen? But your greatest challenge is you. Is that not true? Amen. Huh. Okay, so... And my kids oftentimes will ask me, Dad, if you were going to have a superpower, what would your superpower be? How many of you have ever been asked that? What would you say your, great, your superpower would be? Well, personally, I always liked Superman because Superman, it seemed to me, was kind of the complete package. <laughs> it seemed like he had the whole deal. Well, you know what? I discovered that God has given us a superpower, a super ability in us. And you know where that muscle is? There's this muscle right here. It's this tongue in your mouth. It's, the, it's your mouth. It's below your nose. That's your superpower. And let me, let me kind of bring that home for you. Because James, James chapter 3, verse 4, he talks about how your tongue is like the rudder of a ship. A ship is a very, can be a very large vessel. But just a very small rudder directs that ship in the way that it's going to go. Your tongue is the same way, the Bible says. It directs your life. It's the GPS of your life. It takes your life in the direction that you speak. You say, I I don't know. I don't know about that. Well, listen, I didn't say it. James said it. God said it through James. He said, listen, he said, a man that can get control of his lips can control every other thing in his life. Man, glory to God. Think about that. That if I could just get the grip on my lip here, then I could control everything else in my life. So, but some people, they say, well, I don't think words are really that important. Well, listen to this. Proverbs 18.21 says this. It says, life and death are in the power of the tongue. You have the ability to speak life over your life, or you have the ability to curse your life, to speak death over your life, according to this verse. So here's the deal. Here's, here's what I'm saying. Faith is voice activated. Faith is voice activated. So, you know, you have, a lot of you have cell phones. You know, all of you, uh, many of you have iPhones. iPhone has a little thing called Siri on it. And you cook, you push the button and you hold it down and you say, Siri, restaurants near me. And what does she do? She brings up a whole list of restaurants. You say, Siri, I need dry cleaners. Boom, pop, 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 pop. All these dry cleaners pop up, right? And not just the dry cleaner, but you can push the button and, and she'll take you there. She'll open up your maps for you. You know, Siri will sometimes even talk to you when you don't want to talk to her. I was having a conversation with Zach. We were watching the basketball game the other night, and all of a sudden Siri popped on and said, yes, how can I help you? I said, I don't need you, Siri. She's trying to help me. But Siri is voice activated. What you say is what Siri is going to answer for you. You give her direction. Your life is the same way. Your faith is the same way. It's activated by your voice, by what you say. Are you beginning to see this, right? Okay, all right. So my confession is, 
is this. You know, in the mornings, I like to do confessions. Uh, I have some things written out that I say every day over my life because I, I, it's like the vision board for my life personally. And so I begin to say these things. And I've got things over the church that I say. I've got things over my family that I say. Things over my own life that I say. And every, conver- every confession begins with this, that my faith is released through my mouth. I say, Lord, I thank you that my faith is released through my mouth. So as I begin to speak right now, I'm putting faith on what I'm saying. Hmm. You say, well, why do you do that? 2 Corinthians 4.13. Paul said it best. He said, I believe, and that's why I'm speaking. I believe, and therefore, I speak. What I believe is what I speak. What I want to see is what I want to say, right? And you say what you believe, whether you think you do or not. And here's the deal. Faith is measured by your confession. It's measured by your confession because you can become what you confess. Mark, or Matthew chapter 12 said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Doesn't it? Okay. So, I want to get to some key points. I want to get to some keys. I'm going to give you five keys that have to do with being a mountain mover in your faith. How many of you want to move some mountains with your faith? Not just some little molehills. I want to move some mountains. You guys say, how many of you got some mountains in your life? And you say, man, I'd like to be able to move that mountain. So, let me ask you this question, though, first, before I give you those keys. What are you forecasting over your life? You know, when I worked in the corporate world, we used to have meetings and we'd come together and we would have to forecast what our department was going to do. You know, even when I worked in ministry for larger churches, I had to forecast, you know, where, where we were going to be with the college and career ministry, how many small groups we were going to have, you know, how many, ki- how many young people we were going to be having come and what our projects were going to be. And you had to forecast what you wanted to do. Do you know that you're forecasting something with your mouth every time you open it and every time you talk about yourself? Or you talk about other people. What are you forecasting? Didn't know you were a weatherman this morning, did you? Weather woman. All right. Because, because you, can be, you can either do this. You can either talk about a mountain, how big it is, or you can be a mountain mover. And I don't know about you. I'd rather be a mountain mover than a mountain talker, right? Because we all face mountains. Man, you may have a financial mountain that you're looking at right now, and you're going, dear God, I don't Lord, I don't know how I'm going to get past this. You know? Well, you have a couple of options. You can talk about the mountain, or you can speak to the mountain. Speak to it. Speak what you want to see in that mountain. You say, you know, well, I'm having trouble in my marriage right now. And I, boy, it just seems like a bigger mountain. It seems like it's not going well. Well, you can decide to talk about your spouse, or you can decide to speak to that mountain of marriage problems and say, you know what, Lord, I thank you. I thank you that that my wife and I live at peace together, that we have a happy relationship. We're in love with each other. Man, she looks good. He looks good. Come on, I'm trying to encourage you this morning. (laughs) Amen? Be encouraged. We need to speak good things over our spouses, don't we? What about your health? You know, all of us deal with sickness. All of us deal with opportunities to be sick. You know, what are you going to speak to that mountain of sickness? You going to talk about the mountain? Are you going to speak to the mountain? In Mark chapter 11, it says this in verse 23. It's going to be on the screen here. Jesus said, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things which he says shall be done, he will have whatever he says. 
Now, this is, this is interesting because what some people do is they pray about their mountain. They pray about their mountain. And that's not bad, okay? It's never a bad idea to pray. But Jesus said to do something specific to the mountain. What did he say to do? He said to speak to the mountain. He didn't say to talk about the mountain. He didn't say to pray about the mountain. He didn't say to, to describe the mountain to other people. Huh? Some of us are good at that. Describe your mountain to other people. No, he said to speak to the mountain. So this is key number one. The mountain may be big, but God is bigger. Let me tell you, you are not facing anything that God can't overcome. That his super on your natural can't take care of and move into the sea, right? But let me ask you a question. Back in Genesis chapter 1, God, when he was creating everything, it says many times in chapter 1, it says two things. And God said, and then what, and then God always began with, let there be. Let there be. And God said, let there be. So, and God said, let there be an ocean. And God said, let there be land. And God said, let there be animals of all kinds on the land, in the ocean. And God said, let's make man in our image. And God said, it's not good that man should be alone. How many husbands say, oh, thank God. Thank God it's not just me. We're running this deal. He said, I'm going to make woman. And then he brought him to man, and man said, wow, man, woman. That's where you get woman from. So, whoa, man, you know. So, anyway, <laughs> okay, just, that was free. Don't shake your heads. No, that was funny. Listen, these are the jokes, guys, okay? <laughs> so, so, and God said, but here's my point, is that nothing happened until God spoke. Nothing happened until God spoke. So if nothing happened until God spoke, what about us? Something's going to happen when you begin to speak. When you begin to say what it is that you want to be. There may be strife in your home. It's time to say, let there be peace. Man, there may be anger flowing in your family. Lord, let there be happiness. You know, there may be frustration in your marriage. Lord, let there be love. Let love abound in our home. Let hope abound. You may, be, you may have been standing in faith for 19 years for something, and you're waning going, man, I just don't know if I can stand anymore. Let there be hope in God. Amen? Man, I'm trying to preach to you this morning. So why is it important? Why is it important to say things that are not yet they, they don't yet exist. You know, it's another way, and you're calling it some way that it's not. Why is that important? You see what I'm saying? Because sometimes uh, the enemy will come and he'll say, you're lying. Because when you make the decision to call things that be not as though they are, because that's what you're doing, that's what Romans 4.17 says, that God calls things that are not as though they are, Okay, let me give you an example. I remember one time Rebecca, she, she went from the fourth grade to the fifth grade and the workload changed and she was struggling in the fifth grade and I was putting her to bed one night and she was telling me, Dad, I'm, I'm just really 
you know, the work's a lot harder in fifth grade. And I said, I believe you. And, and so as she was talking, I was praying because you need help being a dad. You can't just be a dad on your own. You need the help of the Holy Spirit. And the Lord just dealt with me that I needed to speak over her what I wanted to see. I thought, okay. And so when she got done, I said, you know, Becca, you understand problems. You're able to grasp every concept. You are so smart. Schoolwork comes easy to you. Was that true at the time? You can shake your heads no. It's all right. It's not a trick question. I mean, at the time, she was struggling. But I began to speak over her what I wanted to see. You say, Phil, I just, man, I don't know about this talking to stuff. Well, you talk to stuff already now. Come on, don't tell me you don't. You'll be lying up in here. Come on, you talk to the traffic on the way over here. You talk to that light that stayed red too long. You talk to your hair dryer. You talk to yourself in the mirror. What are you saying there when you're talking to yourself in the mirror? You know, man, I'm losing some hair. <laughs> what, are you, what are you saying? I think, I think I've gained a little weight. Man, how about, how about flipping that around? How about saying, man, you're looking good. You're losing weight, man. I think hair is growing back there. Come on, guys. How many of you with me? <laughs> I, in fact, I'm keeping all my hair, man. Glory to God. I mean, you talk. My point is you talk now. You're talking to stuff all the time. Why not begin to speak what it is you want to see instead of this piece of junk? Man, it's broken again. I remember I, I bought a car um, when I first moved here because we were needing a third, another car because the kids had their car and they were going two different ways and Nicole was going another way and I, I had to have another car so I could go somewhere. And so I bought this car and I remember I, I had to put it in the shop the first time and then it was in the shop the second time and then it was in the back in the shop the third time and then it was back in the shop the fourth time and I said, dear Lord, should I just sell this thing? You know, and I remember I replaced one, the last part on it and, and, and even the mechanic was saying, you, yeah, I would sell the car. I would sell the car. You know, and I thought, man, Lord. And so I was driving home and I, and I pretty much resolved in my mind I was going to sell the car and the Lord said to my heart, spoke to my heart on the way home and said, you know, you, you're going to get to a point where there's nothing left to fix. You know, you do get to that point where there's nothing left to fix. And I said, yes, sir. Well, what's your point? And he said, I, th I think you're there. Okay. Okay. Well, Lord, I'm just going to say good things over my car anymore. I'm not going to talk negatively about my car because it's been in the shop so many times. I'm going to speak peace over my car. I'm going to speak life over my car. Vitality. It's going to run and work. How many of you with me? Right? This is not a piece of junk. This is not a lemon. Because if I can have what I say, I'm not going to begin to speak those things over my car. I need my car to run. Well, why would you speak that over your spouse? Why would you speak that over your child? Why would you speak that over things that you need to work well? Why would you speak that over your pastor, your church? Why would you, why would you speak that? Why would you speak that over anything else related to your life? Man, we need to step out of that negativity, out of that type of speech, and we need to speak into speaking good things over our lives. Amen. How many of you with me? You say, yeah, that's how I'm going to start talking because God's put that ability on the inside of us. So instead of praying over the mountain, we need to speak to the mountain. 
Amen? Instead of begging God. So too many people begging God. Lord, please, please. Lord, I pray that you would remove this mountain. And God, the whole time's God saying, Wait, just speak to it. Speak to it. Speak to it. All right, key number two. If you don't speak to your mountain, here's what's going to happen. It's going to talk to you. It's going to speak to you. Isn't it? Man, you'll never lose that way. You'll never pay that debt off. Oh, I don't think you're going to get that promotion. No, I don't think you're going to get that scholarship. Your mountain's talking to you. Sometimes you need to say this. Now, can I be vulnerable this morning? Sometimes I, go, I always go in the back room and I always pray before, before service because, man, I just want to get in the zone. I just want, I don't want any distractions. I just want to be right where God needs me to be so that I can communicate to you because, man, this is Super Bowl for me up in here. I don't know about you guys, but I, I'm, I'm bringing it, okay? I'm trying to. And so, but sometimes, you know, the enemy tries to talk to you back there. And he'll say, man, what, do you, what can you say that these people haven't already heard? What can you say that's going to make a difference in their lives? And sometimes I have to say, shut up! Devil? I'm not talking to you and, and nobody individually. Okay? I'm talking to the enemy. Because, you know, sometimes you got to do that. Sometimes you got to tell it to shut up. No. God has ordained me for this moment. He has put a word in my mouth. And I'm not speaking my own words. I'm speaking his words. And I thank you, Lord, that it's going to go out and it's going to accomplish what you sent it to do. So you can shut up, enemy. Well, sometimes your mountain's talking to you and you need to tell it, shut up. Your dream will never come to pass. No, uh uh-uh. My God says I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He's the one that put the dream inside of me. I can accomplish it. You're not going to get that promotion. Uh-uh, no. Let me tell you, my promotion comes from the Lord. It doesn't come from man. So I'm looking to him. I'm not looking to man to promote me. You know, come on. Amen. All right. So let me tell you, I got any good news for you. Mountains are not permanent. Mountains are not permanent. Don't believe me? Ask the Grand Canyon. That used to be a gigantic... No, I'm sorry. I'm teasing. But <laughs> mountains are not permanent. But sometimes they'll try and convince you that they are permanent. But here's what happens. When you begin to speak to the mountain, you realize just how temporary they are. Man. Think about this. Jesus, over in uh, Mark chapter 11, and uh, about verse 13, Jesus was walking with his disciples and he was hungry so he saw a fig tree off in the distance he walked over to the fig tree he's going to get a fig and he was going through all the leaves and he couldn't find any figs on it and so he made a statement in verse 14 he said may no one eat fruit from you again so if you ever wondered about well should I talk to things well Jesus did he just talked to a tree Jesus talked to the wind he talked to the rain he talked to demon-possessed people <laughs> to the demon. <laughs> you know, Jesus talked to, talked to things. So here, he says this to the tree. Now notice in the book of Mark, nothing physically happened to the tree. The leaves were still green, still looked like it was alive. But when Jesus spoke to it, the life came out of that tree. But they couldn't see it. Until several verses later, in Mark 11, verse 21, it says that Peter, they were walking back by, and Peter saw the tree, and he said, Rabbi, remember that tree you cursed? It's, it's dried up from the roots. Let me tell you, in your life, in your situation, you may speak to something, and you may not see a change in the natural. 
You may not see it take place. But let me tell you, when you speak to your mountain, when you speak to that tree, the life has gone out of it. <laughs> that is superhuman. Isn't it? That's God on the inside of you. But you have to believe it, right? So even though you don't see a, an immediate visible change, don't let yourself get frustrated. Don't let yourself get frustrated. Stay in faith. No, I prayed and I believed. And I know that there was a difference automatically. Thank you, Lord. It just, it, I, that's the way faith is. It changes in the spirit realm first and then it manifests in the natural. Right? Man, so it happens in the unseen before it gets to the, to the scene. So, you know, don't get frustrated if you don't see it. Key number three, your mountain responds to your voice. Man, that's powerful. Your mountain responds to your voice. Just like Jesus talked to the mountain. He talked to the tree. You know, if you're, if you're going to see mountains move, you have to talk to them. You have to say something to them. Okay? Think about David. Remember David and Goliath? Goliath, uh, Israel was on one side of the valley, the Philistines were on the other side of the valley, and then Goliath would come down into the valley and he'd, and he'd taunt the Israelites. Come on, you guys, send somebody to fight me. If he beats me, hey, we'll become your servants. If I beat him, you guys will have to serve us. He said, come on. He said, I defy the armies of the living God. So here are the Israelites. Every time he comes out, they all run from Goliath. They hide in caves and behind trees and logs. And they're looking at him. And you know what they begin to do? They begin to talk about the giant. Man, you believe this giant? I can't believe he's, he's doing this to us. I mean, every, all of them were talking about the giant. And that's what your mountain or your giant will try to get you to do when it pops up is to get you in a place where you're intimidated by it and you begin to talk about it. Can you believe it? Can you believe it? Man, we're having marital problems. I was, we were married for 10 years. I didn't think that we would ever have married problems. And now we're having marital problems. Where did this come from? And you're talking about it. And then you call people on the phone because you're not going to the throne. You're going to the phone. You're calling all of your friends, all your family members, all the people that you know. Man, can you believe? Yeah, I, I knew when you married that guy, I knew he was no good for you. And now you're getting agreement. Now, now what's happening? You're talking about the mountain, and the mountain is getting bigger and bigger and bigger and more impossible. I don't know how we're going to make this company survive. I don't know how we're going to make it. Man, the economy is way down. we got this new person in, in government, and I mean, all these things are taking place. And now, and, and you begin to find, you're talking about the mountain. You're talking about all the things that are external. Listen, guys, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of, dark, of the darkness of this age. Your fight, you're fighting against yourself. It's your faith, like Rick Renner was talking about. So let me encourage you. Don't talk about your mountain. It's just going to get bigger. And then you will begin to see it. You'll begin to solidify that it's an impossibility to move it because you're talking about it instead of what, you're, what are you supposed to be doing? Talking to it. Now let's think about David. What did David do? Oh, I mean, here comes Goliath again out into the valley. He's doing this every day. Comes out into the valley. All the men, they run. 
They're all running from him. They're going, oh, man, can you believe this giant? They're all afraid of him. And David's standing there, and he's going, wait a minute. I want to hear what this guy's saying. And David hears what he says, and he goes, who is this guy? Who is this guy that defies the armies of the living God? What's the difference? David's not a news reporter. He's a newsmaker. Come on, he's not a consumer. He's a contributor, man. He is, he is speaking to the mountain instead of talking about the mountain. How could he do that? Because of where his focus was. David's focus was not on the size of the giant. His focus was on the size of his God. And that's my next point. Instead, instead of focusing on the size of your mountain, you need to focus on the size of your God. And listen to what he said. David comes out. He brings his stones. He comes out with his sling. He gets out there and Goliath says, what, is a, what am I, a dog that you bring a stick to me? I mean, who is this little guy coming out here? You know, and David and, and Goliath says a few things that don't really matter. Uh, he called down curses and whatever. And David says, wait a minute. He goes, this day you have defied the armies of the living God. And guess what? This day I'm cutting your head off and I'm going to feed your carcass to the birds of the air. Man, listen to how David is talking to his mountain. How do you think you should talk to your mountain? Hmm? It's time to get aggressive. It's not time to cower and go hide in a cave somewhere. It's time to come out and face your giant. Because you have to face it in order to be able to put your faith on it. Don't be scared of the facts. Never be scared of the facts. The doctor may come and say, this is the, this is the report. And present the report to you. That's the facts. The truth of the word can change the facts. This is a mountain. It's time to speak to the mountain. It's time to speak to the mountain. You have a pain that persists. You said, oh, Phil, I've prayed for you. I've prayed for it. Okay. Now it's time to speak to it. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Man. It's time to speak to that giant. Amen. You know, but then we have negative people. You ever met negative people? Okay. A few of you. You know, they're the ones that, that, that they don't think it can be done. They don't think it should be done. And they don't like the way it's being done. Right? These are the negative people. I remember this guy I used to work with. Man, uh, it was like everything that the company did was wrong. You know, they were negative about everything. And no matter what happened, and, and nobody wanted to be around this person. Why? Because they weren't joyful. They weren't happy. Why? Because they're negative. You know, let me tell you, there's a problem with that. Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. That's where your strength comes from, is in the joy of the Lord. You know, and I, you don't have to like your job to be joyful. You can still be joyful. You can go to work, man. You can, you can put on a smile and say, you know what? You can make a quality decision. You know what? Today I choose not to be moved by what I see or feel. <laughs> what I see or what I feel. I'm not going to be moved by that. You know what I'm going to be moved by? I'm going to be, I'm making a quality decision. I'm going to be moved by joy today. Nobody wants to be around a negative person anyway. Well, this guy, man, he was making everybody miserable. And let me tell you, the day that he quit and resigned, he'd had enough. He was frustrated and he allowed that negativity to drive him to the point where he resigned his job. And when he did, man, there was great rejoicing in the land. 
It was like all the strife left the company. All the negativism left the company. And all of a sudden, we had peace for the first time. And everybody was like, man, we should have fired him a long time. No, I'm sorry. Let's not, let's not go there. Okay. So he quit, by the way. He wasn't fired. All right. So <clears throat> my point is, instead of being negative, why not speak in life? Why not speak life, vitality, and encouragement? into others around you, into your own life. Man, look in the mirror and say, man, Phil. I mean, look at yourself. Okay, don't call yourself Phil, but <clears throat> unless you're praying for me. But, you know, look yourself in the mirror and say, man, you are good looking. You have talent and ability. God has called you to be on the planet for such a time as this. You have, God has great things in store for you today. There's some divine connections I'm going to make today. So you say, I, I don't know that I can remember all that. Begin to write down some things and begin to quote them over your life. Look in the mirror and call yourself these things. Amen? All right, so this is an important key. Key number five, don't ask your mountain to move. Never ask your mountain to move. You command it to move. You tell it to move. It has to obey you, right? Mountains of sickness, lack, addiction, whatever it is, speak to that mountain. You know, Zerubbabel, he had to speak to his mountain. He was trying to build the temple. He was running into all kinds of problems. He had problems with permitting. He had problems with politics. He had problems with people. And he was just trying to build the temple. And listen to what he said in Zechariah chapter 4, verse 7. He said this. He said, who are you, O great mountain? Look who's talking to a mountain. He said, Excuse me. He said, who are you, O great mountain? He said, you will become a molehill or a plain. Why? Because I'm going to speak grace, grace to you. Man, too often we're taking molehills and turning them into mountains. (laughs) Instead of taking your mountain, speaking to it and commanding it to become a molehill. A plain, a level plain. Man. Thank you, Lord. How? you got to speak grace to it. What is grace? Words of faith. Words of faith. Amen. Number six. See, your mountain will respond to your voice. Key number six is what we constantly hear ourselves say, we will eventually believe. What we continually hear ourselves say, we will eventually believe. Your heart will line up with the words that come out of your mouth. That works, that works negatively, too. I heard about this guy. He, in high school, he used to always say, he said, I just know one day I'm going to be bald and fat. And he was a good-looking guy. I mean, he was, he was the, uh, the star basketball player on the varsity team. I mean, he was a great guy. He said, oh, I just, I'm nervous. I just know one day I'm going to be bald and fat. Well, years later, about a decade later, one of his friends saw him. And sure enough, he was walking through the mall, and there he was. Bald and fat. You can have what you say, you know. Your declaration can become your destination. And man, we want to speak good things over our life. So here's the thing. Here's what you need to be saying. Say what God says. Say what God says. Jesus said this. He said, I only say what I hear my father say. I only do what I see my father do. So if Jesus only wanted to say what he heard his father say, he must have put a big priority on the words that came out, came out of his mouth. Here's what I like about God's word is it never returns void. I mean, it goes out and it accomplishes what it was sent to do. So the more of God's word that I can put in my mouth, 
the better off I am. Now, pay attention to this scripture. This is an interesting scripture. Isaiah 43, verse 26. is one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. It says this. God, this is God speaking through Isaiah. He said, put me in remembrance. Let us contend together. State your case that you may be acquitted. Now, this is an interesting scripture because what God is saying is, hey, put me in remembrance of what I said in my word. The promise that I made to you. Think about this. In a court of law, lawyers will go and they will try to find precedent to bring when they're trying a case. Here's what the word precedent means. It means a legal case that establishes a principle or a rule. This principle or a rule is then used by the court or other judicial bodies when deciding later cases or similar issues and facts. So a lawyer will bring precedent. So it's the same principle is that you're grabbing promises from the word of God. And you're putting God in remembrance saying, Lord, <clears throat> you know, I've got this mountain in my life. And Lord, look at what you did for David. David came out. He spoke to his mountain. I'm taking David's words and I'm speaking to my mountain that in the name of Jesus, it has to dissolve. It has to turn into a molehill. It has to be level ground for me to be able to walk across. Amen. Speak to your mountain. Find scriptures. I'm going to ask my mom to come up here for a minute. She wasn't expecting this. Would you? come up here <clears throat> she had no idea that I was going to bring her up here um, but this is my mom Jane Johnson I love love my mom and you know on January 8th 2011 she had a she experienced a massive heart attack there was a uh, there was a blood clot that had completely cut off one uh, one artery uh, completely and so she was having congestive heart failure her lungs were filling with fluid and on that night it was a Saturday night I was preparing for my message uh, getting ready because I was going to preach at church the next day and my dad called me on the phone and he said Phil I said your mom doesn't look good she doesn't sound good uh, would you mind coming down I said no absolutely not I'd be happy to to come and so I got my coat. It was January in Louisville, Kentucky. There was still remnants of snow, you know, on the ground. And I walked out the front door and I ran down to that, uh, to the sidewalk because my parents lived um, just three blocks down. And so I went down to her house, three doors down, sorry. And, but when I got to that sidewalk, the, the Holy Spirit grabbed my heart and he said, slow down and get a hold of yourself. Because I was wanting, you know, your flesh sometimes wants to get into panic because something is going on, you know. And my dad never calls me, so I knew, I mean, like that. And so I knew it was, very, it was serious for him to be able to call. And why would God do that? Because he needed me to be in a state of mind. He needed me to stay in faith. And so when I got there and walked in, mom was sitting across on the couch. Um, and she was sitting with her head down. And because her lungs were filling up with fluid, she was having a hard time breathing. She could only, uh, you know, breathe. She was just struggling breathing. And she told me, she said, Phil, I'm opening my eyes, but I can't see. And, I, and so I, put, I, I asked her if she was having chest pain. And she said, yeah, I am. So I put my hand on her and I prayed. And I said, I speak healing health and life into my body my mom's body now in Jesus name that was what I said now that wasn't really a prayer I was speaking to mom's body okay 
So then you can see she's about five feet. She weighs 100 pounds. So I picked her up, and I was so thankful. I mean, she's 100 pounds soaking wet. I picked her up, and I began to carry her. I carried her through the garage. We came down the steps, and, and I put Mom in Dad's car. Well, once we got in the car, I got in the back seat. Mom's in the front, and I put my hands on her shoulders because I just kind of wanted to keep her coherent. And the Holy Spirit dealt with me, you need to get her to begin to speak some things. So I said, Mom, repeat after me. Joel 3.10 says, and she said, Joel 3.10 says, I said, let the weak say, I am strong. And then she said, let the weak say, I am strong. And then I said, Mom, 3 John 2 says, 3 John 2 says, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health. I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. Even as your soul prospers. Let me tell you, here's what happened. On the, on the car drive there, she began to get so strong and begin to breathe so normally. I thought, we're going to turn around and go home. I mean, God is working here. But I thought, no, no, wait a minute. We, we need the doctor to check her out, you know, just verify, you know. And here's the, here's the amazing thing is that she got all the way um, there to the hospital. She had conversations with the initial doctor in the ER and then Dr. Two, who was her cardiologist, she spoke to him. She described everything that happened. She doesn't remember anything past the couch, right? Is that right? No. She didn't remember anything past being on the couch. And let me tell you, six days later, I'll show you her hospital room here. Um, this is the CCU unit where mom was. Let me tell you, 16 days later, she walked out of that hospital. Can you, can you give God glory? Let me tell you, this is why it's important. You need to use Scripture as president. You need to find Scripture that has to do with your situation. And use it. Why? Because you're speaking the Word of God over that situation. Now, here's the second part of that. You need to use the authority of Jesus' name. Now, let me bring up some food for thought. Isn't it interesting that the name of Jesus, they want to take it out of everything. They want to take it out of prayer. They want to strike it from it. They don't want you using the name of Jesus. Why is that? Because the Bible says that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. Everything, every name that can be named under heaven and earth has to bow its knee to the name of Jesus. Not the name of Phil, not the name of Caleb, not the name of Austin, not the name of Terry, not the name of Jeremy, not the name of anybody else. It's the name Jesus. And let me tell you, your situation is no different. It has to bow. Your mountain has to bow its knee to the name of Jesus. And the good news is, is it has to obey. It has to be removed. Woo! Man, I'm getting excited. Glory to God. Yeah, we Jesus a hand. Let me tell you. It doesn't matter what your mountain is. It doesn't matter what you're facing. It doesn't matter what's trying to come your way. What's trying to overwhelm you, overtake you, take you out. God is greater. The name of Jesus is more powerful than any other name. Anything else that can be named 
under heaven. And so I just want to encourage you this morning. It's time to stop talking about the mountain. It's time to stop praying about the mountain. It's time to stop hoping that the mountain will dissolve and go away. It's time for you to speak to the mountain. Thanks so much for listening. If you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so at visionnwa.com forward slash give. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast available on iTunes and SoundCloud. Vision Church, vision for life.